Welcome to Now Appalachia, hosted by author and Appalachian resident Elliot Parker. This show profiles the authors and publishers that have connections to the Appalachian region and how those connections influence and impact their works. And now, Appalachia. And hello, friends. Once again, we welcome you to another episode of Now Appalachia, heard here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network as we continue to provide you and bring you the authors and the publishers that are writing about Appalachia and have connections to this wonderful and diverse region that covers so much of the United States, all the way from southern New York to northern Mississippi and many states in between. I'm Elliot Parker. It's great to have you with us. And we have another one of those terrific Appalachian authors with us today to talk to us about her debut novel called Unbound Outbound Train and we are joined by uh, Renee Winchester to talk to us about her debut novel and Renee is not a stranger to writing she has been writing for quite a long time she was born and raised in Bryson City North Carolina she began her writing career in Georgia where she penned several nonfiction works including Farming Friends and Fried Bologna Sandwiches from Mercer University Press which was nominated for the prestigious Cyber Award and it also earned her a nomination for Georgia Author of the Year and also got her endorsement from the Pulpwood Queens, which is the largest book club in the country. She also won the Wilma Dykeman Award for Essay and the Appalachian Writers Award. Then she decided to turn and transition into fiction. She has served on the Atlanta Writers Board, the Georgia Writers Association, and also has judged multiple literary award contests. And in April of 2020, Firefly Southern Fiction released Outbound Train. It's set in her hometown of Bryson City, North Carolina in 1976. And Renee is also passionate about, passionate about literacy, Appalachian heritage, and also preserving rare seeds, cultivating endangered plants, and meeting new friends. And we're going to talk to her about all of those things about her life also, as well as her life uh, as an author. So, Renee, it is so good to have you here on Appalachia. Welcome to the program. So delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. And I know, I apologize, first of all, you and I have been trying for over a year to get this scheduled and get this worked out, and we had scheduling issues and technology issues and all kinds of other things that kept us apart, but I'm so delighted to have you here, and I appreciate uh, you coming on because you've got a terrific book that we really need to talk about, and I'm just... I'm just so thrilled and excited uh, to talk to you about it today, to talk about Outbound Train. Um, And I wanted to ask you, start off with reading a statement and ask you what you meant by this. Someone was asking you to kind of uh, frame your book or to set your book up for an audience. And, And this is pretty much what you said. You said, the women inside the pages of this novel, meaning your novel, Outbound Train, mimic those who raised me. They'll remind you of your mother, of your grandmother, women who lifted their chins and started a hardship square in the eye, a double dog dared it to get the best of them. The women who raised us never give up, we won't either. So what does that quote say about not only your book in general, but also the wonderful, rich, and diverse female characters that inhabit your story? Uh, first of all, I'm so glad that this isn't a Zoom live meeting because I, I am uh, I'm tearing up here at the mention of Uh, the strong Appalachian women that raised me and that raised um, us. And boy, they sure did double dog dare. Um, They did. They didn't really have a choice, but we don't have a choice right now either. We have to make do and we have to keep going and we have to love each other and support each other. And, you know, when you're growing up, you don't necessarily understand that you're getting a life lesson 
until you're using the lesson that you've been taught. Um, I mean, you don't know that you're going to have to just pull up those bootstraps. I don't necessarily like that term, but you don't know when you're going to need that. And, and it's just ingrained in Appalachian women. And I just don't know that I've met a weak one uh, where I grew up or where I have lived in my life. Uh, we make do, and not only do we make do for us, we make do for the entire community. You know, and I think that is, you know, what you've touched on in your book with these characters, kind of imbuing them with these characteristics, says so much about Appalachian women, both uh, in the past and the present, in that they have to be strong in so many ways. And there is sort of the, the strength that comes from them being the homemaker, the strength that comes from them being the mother, the strength that comes from them being the wife. And, you know, one of the things I, as I was reading your, your book, and I know it was fiction, but it reminded me of so many of those Appalachian women that I knew and how so many of those Appalachian women uh, had a great work ethic about them and was able to juggle all of those different responsibilities, but there also was a quiet dignity about them too. You know, they, they respected what they did and they respected the roles that they played within the family. And I think when we look at Appalachia today and compare it to, we always want to do this, compare it to Appalachian writing and Appalachian generations of the past, the women still have that value. There's still a quiet dignity uh, about them and about the work they do and the responsibilities they have in the family. And I was wondering, and when you were writing this story and giving us Barbara Parker, who's just a wonderful uh, protagonist in the story, if, if those things kept coming back into your mind as you were crafting her and putting her in the different scenarios that happened in your story, if, if those kinds of thoughts and feelings came, came at you when you were writing. You know, my beloved friend, Wilma Dykeman, in the tall woman says, the tall woman casts a long shadow and a short woman casts a long shadow too. Uh, there is dignity in everything we, we do. There's a certain line in Outbound Train where, where Barbara is in the factory and her friend says, ain't no shame in factory work, not a lick of shame in it. And, and that was, to me, that's one of the big takeaway messages. Ain't no shame working in the Dollar Tree, sister. Ain't no shame working in Walmart. Ain't no shame if you're just now getting your GED. Not a lick of shame in it. Don't you let someone shame you. We're not, we're not doing that anymore. We, it, it's not gonna happen, not on my watch. And so that is what I wanted the takeaway to, to be. We have been judged as a society, Appalachian women, men, stereotyped from A to Z. And so I really want people to know ain't a lick of shame in what you're doing. If you're out there doing your best, then you hold your head high because uh, you're doing it. You're showing up. Uh, one of the new things that I do when I get groceries is I thank the people who are checking me out for showing up to work. I can't imagine what it's like to be a healthcare worker right now and showing up. So thank you for showing up. There's, there's dignity in showing up today.
Yeah, and that reminds me of, of a great Woody Allen quote that I heard from years ago where someone was asking him about his success in, in, in movies and in life. And he said, you know, 90% of life is just showing up. <laughs> if you just show up, that, that, that's, the biggest, that's the biggest thing you could do to be successful. Um, exactly. Uh, you know, my grandfather said, uh, this has stuck with me for a long time. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what you do. What is important is that you need to be somebody. So that has been my lifelong mantra is I just want to be somebody. I want to be somebody that, and then you fill in the blank of what that, the, that is. I want to be somebody that helps somebody that brings awareness to uh, an injustice. That's what, um, and that was very wise words that my grandpa gave me. Absolutely. Very good. Yes, indeed. So your story is set in 1976 in Bryson City, North Carolina. We talked about Barbara Parker, who we meet early on. She's working at a textile mill, and her job and responsibility is sewing blue jeans, which you explained so wonderfully in terms of the tedious hard work that's involved uh, in that process. But she's doing this because she has nobody else to rely on. And she has a daughter named Carol Ann, who you know, Barbara is trying to, to raise and, and provide a living for and put food on the table. But Carol Ann is kind of not interested anymore. She's sort of sneaking around. She's walking the railroad tracks at, at night. She's working at a bar that sells alcohol illegally. Um, but, you know, her impetus is she's tired of Bryson City and she's tired of its poverty. So before we talk about Carol Ann and Barbara, I wanted you to talk a little bit about Bryson City, North Carolina, because your story, like so many Appalachian stories, setting in place is so important to what we see happening in the novel. So can you talk a little bit about Bryson City, North Carolina, uh, what it is, why it's this way in your story, and kind of the the lingering impacts it has, not just on uh, Barbara, but also on Carol Ann and other people that call that area home? So Bryson City, North Carolina is a real town. I am talking to you from Bryson City, North Carolina, but it's a tourist town. It became a tourist town in part when the Great Smoky Mountains National Park was formed. And so I believe that the park uh, owns 80%, maybe more than that of Swain County. But in the 70s, textile was king and there was something in inside of Carol Ann that she wanted more than that. She wanted more than living in a trailer park. And, but her mother did too. And hopefully that's a takeaway is that mother and daughter essentially want the same thing. And isn't that what we want mothers and daughters even now? We want things to be a better life. Um, but Bryson City in 1976 was very much like it is in Outbound Train. And yes, there may have been some, um, uh, let's see, transporting of adult beverages across state lines from Gatlinburg. Because in Gatlinburg, you could, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which is just over the mountain, so to speak, you could go over there and get whatever you wanted. And so that's what people would do. They would go by the, get it by the truckloads and bring it over. So uh, that was happening when I was growing up. I heard about it and I thought that would just be perfect and ring true about um, setting Bryson City for the town that it was. And that's what my brother actually told me when we were 
when I was talking about beginning stages of the book, he's like, you need to write the Bryson City that people will never see because the blue jean plant is still in Bryson City and it's still being used. It Right now it, it's, it's a flooring manufacturing plant. So that's the good thing also about Appalachia is we repurpose and we reuse. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know that one of the things that happens in Barbara and Carol Ann's relationship is Carol Ann eventually goes missing. And that has a devastating effect on Barbara, but that kind of makes her have to make some difficult choices. And I love that the one person who may be able to help her find Carol Ann is somebody that she blames for a very traumatic event in her past. Who is that person? Uh, and without giving too much away, what is that traumatic event that Barbara has experienced um, that she's having to go back to this person and kind of lean on him again to possibly help her find Carol Ann? So uh, as most of your listeners uh, know, if they've grown up in a small town, is you can't get away from anyone in the small town. And so every small town has secrets. And those secrets are sometimes misconstrued. And so she has blamed someone her whole adult life for the traumatic experience that happened to her. And so, of course, wouldn't it be fortuitous that when Carol Ann goes missing, the only person that she can call on is the very same person that she has blamed her entire life. And, um, and his name is Connor. And I liked writing about Connor. I just, he was, he was a great human being and he had his own issues. And, you know, he's just, he's just living his life. He has no idea that she hates him. He has no idea, which is our parallel to real life. You know, people, there are people that don't like you and you don't even have a clue and for a reason you don't even know about. And so there was that, um, that opportunity to hopefully give that lesson of, but Connor, I really liked writing about Connor. Yeah, he's a terrific character, and we'll talk more about him uh, in just a second. We are speaking with Renee Winchester here on this episode of Now Appalachia. We're talking to her about her debut fiction novel, Outbound Train, and Renee has also done a lot of work as a nonfiction writer prior to writing Outbound Train. She's also the author of Farming Friends and Fried Bologna Sandwiches from Mercer University Press, which was nominated for the prestigious Saiba Award, which is the Southern Independent Booksellers Alliance Award, and we're glad to have her here. We want to say one thing before we get back to the interview, that uh, Renee's publisher has offered a 25% discount off of Outbound Train. If you have not read that book yet, and you need to if you haven't, their publisher, her publisher of Firefly Press is offering uh, a 25% discount when you use the reader's coupon BNW25TRAIN. That is all one word, letter B, letter N, letter W, number 25TRAIN. If you put that in at checkout, uh, you will have an opportunity to get 25% off your copy of Outbound Train. And we'll talk more about that as well as our interview continues. So, uh, We'll come back to the book in just a second, Renee, but I know you and I were talking a little bit before we started uh, our interview, and I asked you a little bit about your writing process, or I mentioned we were going to ask you about your writing process, and you said, oh my goodness, my writing process is a total mess. So how and why is your writing process for writing fiction or nonfiction a total mess? 
Well, I, I think I'm the only writer on the planet that still writes it all hard copy first by hand. I've tried to do it the advanced way. I've tried the keyboard just for, I, there's something that won't work. It will not work. It has to flow through me. I have spoken to my muse about this process and my muse says, no, I'm in charge. So I'm at her mercy, but I do. I'm writing. I'm, I'm working on a, another novel right now, The Mountains Remember, and it's the same process. It is, uh, I have a general concept of what's going on. I have the names. I have, you know, I have all of that. And then from there, it, it is definitely a messy process. But for some reason, it works for me. There, you know, there are people that say outlines and I just kind of laugh hysterically because I, I don't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And, but I also love the editing process, which is out of the norm. I want feedback. I, I belong to a critique group. I want that feedback. I want to know what's not working. And that goes back to what my grandpa said, be somebody. It's my grandpa's name. That Winchester name means something to me. And so I don't get it right 100% of the time, but my heart wants to. And yeah, it's it's a scribbled up uh, mess. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about, about marketing because I'd followed you over the last year as you and I were kind of playing email tag and Facebook instant messaging tag about trying to get you on for an interview. But you, know, you did a lot of of unique things in terms of marketing your book and getting your book out there. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you did, uh, the ones that were successful? Because we get a lot of questions oftentimes from uh, listeners wanting to know, you know, about marketing and about uh, it, they've got a, a book or they're going to have a book come out and they want to know about marketing and how do they find readers. And I know you did some really creative and interesting things to get your book out there. Can you talk a little bit about that? So I, I do think a lot about marketing. I want to give a little listener shout out if I can. If I can shout out the glorious Mary Treadwell who, who referred me to you. Uh, readers just somehow know that I need them. I live and breathe for them. When I say that, I, I mean it. When, when I say... If you like my book, please tell a friend. I mean that from my very heart. I'm not writing for money. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing to, to tell the story of my people. And then I'm trusting that reader to, to be my voice from there on. And so a couple of the, I don't know, crazy pants things that I did was I started a... Um, a group of readers and if they did a review or if they told a friend or if they bought the book from the publisher at the time I had the pre-orders which uh, which is very beneficial for any author is the pre-orders I gave them a bookmark that I had made myself which in itself was quite a process because even though every woman in my family knew how to sew, I had no idea how to sew. So I had to teach myself how to sew. I used my grandmother's sewing machine. That thing hated me. I bled all over things. It was just ridiculous. But 
then I blogged about it to the readers saying, you know, this is how much I love you uh, <laughs> for anyone else. I'm not sewing anything for my own children for Pete's sake. Um, but story is everything. And so um, I think just being vulnerable with the readers, uh, they know I need them. Uh, that worked for me. Newsletters work for me. In-person events is what I want to happen more than anything because I always at an in-person event I always do a raffle for something I, I like to give something away that's non-book related typically you know seeds or jelly or something I've made or I, I just like to do that because my readers are my family I, I feel that way and I hope they feel the same. Very good we're talking with um and talking about the book Outbound Train with author Renee Winchester here on Now Appalachia. And just a reminder that uh, Firefly uh, Fiction Press is giving away a discount. Speaking of giveaways, a discount to folks who have not picked up a copy of Outbound Train yet. You can get 25% off when you go to their website and when you use the coupon BNW25TRAIN. And we'll talk more about that uh, again here in just a little bit. So, uh, Renee, let's go back to the book for just a second. Uh, we, we talked about Connor a moment ago, and I wanted you to talk about him a little bit in more detail because in many ways I was reading his character and I thought he's very much the stereotypical Appalachian male that a lot of us know of, or if we don't know them personally, we've seen them in fiction. Uh, but he's also not a, ter a stereotypical kind of Appalachian man. And I love how you kind of, embed him with, with a little bit of sort of otherworldliness to kind of not make him a total Appalachian male. Can you talk a little bit about how he kind of uh, straddles both lines there of being this, the stereotypical Appalachian male that we maybe know or see and how he's a little different from that too? I think, uh, I, I just, I know I've already said this, but I just love Connor with all my heart. <laughs> um, he is that stereotypical male in that, you know, he's got that pickup truck now. He doesn't have the dog. He don't have a coon dog, uh, but he is the kind of, you know, if you've got a spider in modern day time and you need someone to come kill that spider, you're going to call Connor Brown at three o'clock in the morning. And it's funny that, you know, Barbara doesn't do that, but Carol Ann knew that from the get-go. She, she just kind of knew that if, if I need somebody, there's a go-to guy. Yeah, in Appalachia, there's a go-to guy. There's somebody who can fix your car, who can repair the clogged drain, who can take you to work, who can do all of these things. Sometimes that guy is a girl. <laughs> Sometimes that guy is a lady that can do everything. And, and that's what made him so, so fun was uh, that he could fix everything. And just now thinking about this out loud, um, he doesn't look like my father, but my dad can fix or repair anything. And, and so maybe there's something uh, that I haven't even uh, addressed that he is my, my Connor, that he could fix anything and, and even broken hearts. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes, and 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 I, I won't pick up on that, that thread because I don't want to give too much away. We want readers to certainly find out more about the, the broken heart because that's a that's an interesting part of his story as well. You know, one person we haven't talked about that I wanted to mention is Granny Perline or Granny Perline. 
Um, she she is kind of the, the she bookends kind of the third generation or the three generations of this story in terms of being of the women involved. Uh, who is she? And kind of the same question with her that I asked about Connor. How is kind of Barbara like uh, Granny Pearlene, and how is she different uh, in that way? Because I, there's there's a lot of um, I saw a lot of of Granny in her, but I also saw her being her own woman as well. Absolutely, and and I'm telling you, Barbara would never agree that there's a drop of Granny Pearlene in her. Uh, and she just wouldn't, even though there's no denying it. You know, readers see that, and they 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 know it's it's kind of like you know when you open your mouth and your mother's words come out, and you don't want that to happen, but it happens anyway. Uh, Granny Pearlene is such a strong character that I did have to rein her in because she was stealing the show. She is the strongest character if you're talking about her will she has an unbreakable will it's going to be whatever it takes i'm gonna it's gonna happen by any means necessary and but that strong will is also what sometimes gets us in trouble um it it just does she has no filter when we were going through the editing process, the editor was like, we need to cut this. And I'm like, I, I can't, I, I will compromise on something else. But what Granny Pearlene says is what Granny Pearlene says. And I can't control that. Uh, there's just so much of her in all of them, I, I think. Also, Carol Ann, she, you know, she's got a strength that she doesn't know that she has. And readers, I get a lot of feedback about Granny Pearlene. They want her own story. They, they want to know more about Granny Pearlene. And I think she's, um, it's hard to put her in a box. I will say that my early readers, there's this, there's this point in the, in the novel where Granny Pearlene laughs and she throws her head back and laughs and you can see the fillings in her teeth. And one of the readers said, oh, I, I didn't know that she had teeth. And I said, I, my characters have all of their teeth. <laughs> we are not stereotypical Appalachian. <laughs> we have all of our teeth. <laughs> very good, very good. I do remember that scene now. I was thinking about that as you mentioned it. Yeah, it, it didn't strike me that way, but I can understand how maybe a non-Appalachian reader who knows about Appalachia based on some of those stereotypes, no teeth, we don't wear shoes and all of those things might, might come to that scene and wonder, you know, what's going on here. So, you know, Renee, I wanted to ask you about, um, because there's just so much, so many great things about your book. And, and I know you touch on so many things about, about women, as we've talked about, about family, about Appalachia, about small towns. What is it that you hope when readers get to the very last page of your book, they close the back spine uh, what is it that you hope they take away from your story? Oh, I hope what they take away is that, you know, Bryson City, as I've said, it's a tourist town. I hope they see a little bit of their own childhood and how they grew up in in the story because we were once a, a textile area and if not i mean blue collar jobs is we we weren't all high tech and so i really hope the takeaway is this respect and this uh, 
just this understanding that you need to see people for who they are and, and who they are is they're just doing the best that they can. And they have dreams and hopes just like, like we do. And it's hard to uh, not give away the, the ending, but I mean, it doesn't matter if you're living in a trailer park, your dreams are just as valid as somebody living in a McMansion. Yeah, very well said. So Renee, in our final moments with you today, if anyone wants to get in contact with you to talk to you about Outbound Train or any of the other works that you've done, or just talk to you in general about writing uh, process or anything like that, how can they get in contact with you first of all? And then where can they get copies of Outbound Train and remind the readers of the discount promotion that your publisher is offering? Well, I do want to thank Bradley, the, the publisher. Uh, I, I'm always throwing cockamamie ideas at him, and 90% of the time he says yes. And, and so I, I am very appreciative that he is giving the 25% uh, off coupon. That is a wonderful publisher that, that I have. I'm very fortunate, and especially in these times. You can reach out to me on Facebook, and my name is spelled R-E-N-E-A, Winchester, W-I-N-C-H-E-S-T-E-R. You can send me a personal message. I do respond to all of it. Uh, I'm very approachable. I will answer any questions that you have about the publishing process. I, uh, in, in honor of my friend Terry Kay, who we lost in December, I mentor anyone that has an open mind and wants to, to know about the business of publishing. That's just how we pay it forward. That's the great thing about authors. So uh, probably Facebook is the best way to, to get me. And the book is obviously traditionally published. You can get it anywhere. It's available for um, also as an ebook. And any independent bookseller, if you've got an independent bookseller in your hometown, reach out to them. They need you more than ever. They can order the book and um, without any problem whatsoever. And I appreciate every reader and every listener to this podcast. And to take advantage of that discount again, just go to uh, the publisher. Uh, and I want to make sure I get this right. It is Firefly Southern Fiction. And I may have gotten those words backwards a couple times earlier, but I got it right here at the end. Firefly Southern Fiction uh, is the name of the publisher. Uh, if you're interested in that 25% discount, um, it, you just go to their website, look for a copy of Renee's book, Outbound Train. And again, use the coupon letter B, letter N, letter W, number two, number five, and then the word train, T-R-A-I-N, all one word, and you'll be able to get your 25% discount. We've been speaking with... Um, Renee Winchester here on Now Appalachia talking about her career as a writer and her great debut fiction novel, Outbound Train. Uh, Renee, congratulations on this. What a wonderful story uh, of Appalachia, of strong women, of people who are not afraid of who they are, but at the same time have dreams uh, outside of themselves. It's, it's a great read, and I would encourage anybody who hasn't read it yet uh, to pick up a copy and to put it in their to-be-read pile. So congratulations, and as you keep writing and keep getting published, we'd love to have you back on the program to talk about it. So thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. We also want to take a moment as we finish up this episode of Now Appalachia to give a special shout out to our executive producer of Now Appalachia. Her name is Pam Stack. She also serves as the executive producer of all the podcasts that you hear 
on the authors on the air global radio network. And we appreciate uh, all the work that Pam does behind the scenes to make these podcasts possible uh, each and every episode here uh, on now Appalachia and a program note as we wrap up this episode as well, we're going to be stepping away from author profiles for the next few episodes on the program. And we're going to kind of step away and look at the other side of writing. And that is the publishing marketing, excuse me, side of the business. And, Renee touched on that a moment ago about uh, her willingness to uh, give advice and information about that, but we're going to sort of do that uh, here on the program over the next uh, few episodes. Talk a little bit more about the other side, the business side of publishing. Talk about uh, publicity. Talk about marketing. When should you do it? Why should you do it? How do you do it if you're traditionally published? What if you want to self-publish? What if you are uh, publishing with a university press or a micro press or a hybrid press? How does all of that work? And we're doing that in response to a lot of the feedback that we've received from you uh, through email, through Facebook messages, and through other ways of communicating with uh, me and the show. Uh, A lot of questions you folks have about those issues. And so we're going to bring those issues to you over the next few podcast episodes here on Now Appalachia. So we've got a great panel of guests that are going to join us that are going to sort of peel back the curtain, so to speak. Uh, of publishing and marketing and sort of the business side of publishing and talk about what it is and why it's important, but also why you as a writer should not be afraid of it. So that's coming up uh, in our next few episodes of Now Appalachia. So we hope you will stay tuned for that. That is going to do it for us this time on Now Appalachia, but please come again next time. And in the meantime, stay tuned uh, to the Now uh, Appalachia podcast, as well as authors on the Air Global Radio Network, as well as stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope. You've been listening to Now Appalachia. This is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Stay tuned. More outstanding podcasts are coming your way next. Stay tuned for more outstanding podcasts from the authors on the Air Global Radio Network.